Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. Well, I I don't think uh, there's any person in the room who doesn't realize that we live in a, a polarized world today. That the world in which we're living, uh, that there's division and animosity everywhere. I don't think that's news to anybody here uh, gathered in this place or watching online. Uh, A recent study, a recent international study was conducted because it wanted to compare the polarization that we're experiencing in America right now. It wanted to find out, is this normal? How does this compare to what's happening other places in the world. And so this study was done, and it included over 200 countries around the world. And in fact, it spanned uh, data from over two centuries. So 200 countries spanning back 200 years, and the conclusions were pretty remarkable. One specific line I wrote down, uh, it said this, the findings, there is no established democracy in recent history that has been as deeply polarized as the United States. Let me say that again. Uh, This is 200 countries spanning 200 years, and the results were that no established democracy in recent history has been as deeply polarized as we are. The degree to which people are divided today in our country is truly unprecedented. It's not, it's not just politics either. This study was kind of analyzing that specific divide, but it's, it's racial division. It's fear and uncertainty, raging war all around us from all sides, and the result is a divided world. And sadly, the church isn't immune, are we? We feel, I'm going to use that word very intentionally, we feel that polarization within us and around us. We're experiencing it personally. And if I'm just being honest, I I have to stop and exhale. Because even talking about it, even reading that study, it makes me feel something. Well, for many of us, maybe it does feel heavy. Maybe it seems hopeless. I know if I was being honest with you, there are many times today how divided our world is seems, seems hopeless to me too. So uh, if we were operating just based on our feelings today then that's how it would feel. But we don't operate today only on how we feel. Uh, The truth is that you and I are alive for a reason. Today, right now, even in the midst of unprecedented disruption, a polarized world around us, that you and I, the church, is here for such a time as this. So, So don't tune out. Don't give up. Instead, here's what we should ask the Lord. The Lord who can do anything... We should ask him, Lord, what is my mission today in this world in which we're living, Lord? What is my 
mission. Welcome back to our series, Learning and Unlearning. What has this series been about for us throughout the month of September? It's about recognizing what's happening in our world and recognizing and understanding how the world around us is changing. God's truth has not changed, but the world that we're living in is changing. And so we must respond in order to be a truly relevant and powerful church in the year 2022. Being faithful and obedient believers in Christ today requires learning and unlearning. Both are required. So last week we talked about this incredible need for compassion, that we're living in a world that is experiencing compassion fatigue. Even believers, even people that would claim faith in Jesus Christ, we are fatigued compassion. But we know that he is the source, and so we must be a compassionate people in the world. And today we're, we're going to focus specifically on our call in the midst of the growing divide in which I've just described to you. What is our call? What is our mission together as believers? And it's found in God's Word in Matthew chapter 5. So I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 with me today. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. I know you were just standing in worship, but let's stand this morning as we read God's Word. If you have your copy of Scripture, turn there with me. Uh, otherwise, we'll have it on the screen. And Matthew 5 is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is introducing, he's ushering in the kingdom of God. And in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 3, he's going to kind of describe really what is this kingdom all about? What, what, is, what is his kingdom? All, this is the kingdom that's still alive and well today. But, but here we're going to read in chapter 5, verse 3. And the question that we should be asking as we read these famous words of Jesus is, am I living this way? Is this describe me? Is this describe how I'm living today? In the year 2022, and there's a specific word, a specific call for us in the midst of a divided world. So let's, let's read uh, Matthew 5, starting in verse 3. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. How, how are you doing so far? <laughs> well, next in verse 9, we hear the word, the call, the mission for all believers, especially for those living in the days in which we're living. Uh, verse 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot here. There's a lot Jesus said, but look again with me at verse 9. This is the word of the Lord for his people in the midst of a polarized and divided world. What is his word? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's pray. God, we are living in a world that's divided. We're experiencing it in our families. We see it happening in the church. We see it in communities, Lord. We feel it. And it's exhausting and it's overwhelming and it's paralyzing. But today, we choose to live not according to our feelings, but according to your truth. And we believe that you have a very specific call for us, your church, in these days. So as we open your word, open our eyes and our minds and our hearts to be transformed by you. In your name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Uh, in verse 9, this call, this call to be peacemakers. This word, that specific word, peacemaker, uh, was originally, uh, of course, written in Greek and translated now to English. But what's interesting, this word, this word in the Greek is the only time it's used anywhere in Scripture. And Jesus is the only one that said it. So, so it's a really interesting word. That word peacemaker, at least that's how, we, that's how we translate it. Of course, it does carry the implication live peaceably with other people. Live peaceably with others. But that's not it. That's not it in its entirety. Really, its meaning is one who loves peace and pursues it. So not just somebody that lives peaceably with others, but someone that loves peace and they pursue it with all their heart. What kind of peace, you may wonder, right? Because... After all, we have war and peace. We have peace of mind. We have a, a peaceful, easy feeling. What kind of peace are we talking about today? Well, in the Old Testament, if we study the whole story of God, in the Old Testament, one of the defining characteristics of God was peace. He was, he was called the Prince of Peace. That was his name. That was his, his identity. And that word peace in the Old Testament was this word shalom, in shalom, that word was, was a defining characteristic of who God is. And that word shalom was not just some arbitrary term that was thrown around. It was actually used as a greeting, but it was not just kind of the absence of conflict. Shalom in the Hebrew meant completeness or wholeness. Shalom meant this idea of taking the broken pieces of your life and putting them back together as it should be. And so when someone would speak the word shalom over someone, it was a word of a declaration of blessing that may God take the broken pieces of your life and put them back together as he intended. And so it's this idea of peace that we get when we start talking about the prince of peace. And now Jesus uses the word peacemaker. So as Jesus talks about the kingdom... This idea of shalom, he's saying the one who loves peace, the one who pursues peace, that person is blessed. That person is my child. It's like parents, you know, you're watching your kid do something and a lot of times you're watching them do something and you're not, you're not saying like, that's not my kid, but you're not like, but there's sometimes when they're doing something, you're like, that's my kid. That's, my kid. that's, what, that's what Jesus is saying here. When you live that way and you're pursuing peace, Somewhere up in heaven, he said, that's my child. That's children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. Let's define that. Uh, just, I, I've tried to just walk you briefly through scripture and what that word peace means, but let's define it. I have it on the screen. What is a peacemaker? If this is the call uh, of God for us, his people, what does that mean? I want to be really clear today, and I want to use Matthew 5, 9 as our guide, to be a peacemaker. This would be something you could write down, right? This would be something, maybe this would help you uh, in your journey. To be a peacemaker is to what? It's three things, I believe. It's to love and obey the Prince of Peace, to know his gift of peace, and diligently share it with others. Let's talk about those three things real quick, okay? A peacemaker has to, to love and obey the Prince of Peace. Because he's the source of peace. This is not something that we manufacture. It's not some conjured up emotion or feeling. It's not just about the good of humanity. This is peace deeply rooted in who our God is. He is the Prince of Peace. And so to be a peacemaker, we start by being in relationship with him, loving him, obeying his call for our lives. And then, only then, once we're in relationship with him, then 
We have to know his peace. We have to experience his peace. Peacemakers don't have all the answers. In fact, peacemakers aren't immune from heartache. They're not immune from conflict happening and disruption around them. But when discord and disruption bring chaos into their lives, the child of God brings divine peace because they know they've experienced his peace. What's the third part? The implication here, peacemakers, what do they do? They, they share that peace. They bring that peace to others in a polarized world. So how does that work? If that's, if that's how we define this idea of what it means to be a peacemaker, how does that look practically? I want to unpack it again today in, in just kind of three, there's a lot more than three, but kind of three specific implications of what it means for us. As we're unlearning some things maybe about how we have responded in the past, our, our natural inclination to respond to division around us, and chaos around us, we're having to unlearn some things and we're having to relearn, oh Lord, what does it mean to be a peacemaker for such a time as this? Well, these are some things that I'm learning. The first is this, peacemakers take action. This is really important because this is not an invitation to inaction, but to action. If your vision of peacemaker is someone that's just passively sitting on the sidelines, then you are falling way short of Jesus's standard that he sets for us. Peacemaking isn't passive. It's actually taking, it's it's being on offense, bringing God's kingdom into relationships around you. It's not just this idea of stop, stopping conflict, like this super powered referee, right? It's way more than that. It's way more than that. Peacemakers are involved in doing something meaningful, healing, restoring. Remember that vision of peace, shalom in the Old Testament, right? Peacemakers take seriously their role in restoring, restoring broken pieces of people's lives. Peacemakers actually don't avoid conflict. I hate conflict. But to avoid conflict is not being a peacemaker. In fact, peacemakers, they don't try to create conflict, but they're so committed to this idea of God's peace that they'll enter into the other lives. They'll endure conflict because they care so much about God's peace entering into broken and hurting people's lives. So it's not this idea of running from conflict. It's not this idea of just sitting on the sidelines and watching and I'm I'm not going to do anything. No, they enter into, they take action. What sort of action? Well, number two, I want you to know that peacemakers reconcile reconcile. That's a big word, and it's not my word. It's God's word. Uh, The apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and I don't have it on the screen, but listen to what he says. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you are in relationship with Jesus Christ, the new creation has come. Something new is happening in you. The old is gone. The new is here. All this, he says in 2 Corinthians 5, is from God who reconciled us. That's the word he uses there. He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of, there's that word again, reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. He is committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. And then, and then he uses this analogy, this visual in verse 20. We are therefore God's ambassadors. That if you are in relationship with Christ, you are an ambassador. An ambassador of what? Of this idea of reconciliation. And so it works, too, it's twofold. It's twofold. That peacemakers reconcile 
people with God. That's why Jesus came to reconcile. The, the biggest barrier, the biggest divide that ever existed in human history was the barrier of sin, was the divide of sin. But in Ephesians 2, it says that he, Jesus, is our peace and destroyed the barrier so that we could be reconciled to God. And so peacemakers, we care desperately about people around us being reconciled to God. We, we take the hands of hurting people in the hand of God and we bring them together any way that we can because we want people to be reconciled. We don't want anybody, anybody to live their life separated from the peace that we've experienced, the Prince of Peace. But there's a further implication. These ambassadors of God's reconciliation, what do we do? We, we reconcile with others. We reconcile with others. We, we see every person as someone who needs the Lord. No person is left out. And so we reconcile with each other. It's both. If we're passionate about seeing all people reconciled with God, then we're also passionate about seeing people reconciled with each other. Remember, remember last week when we said, given the choice, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor. He said both. He didn't have to, did he? Given the choice, what is the greatest? What's the one? Jesus said both. And a peacemaker understands that. That we, we want people to be reconciled to God, to, to love him with all their heart and want people to be reconciled to one another. And that's why my final part, this, this call for peacemakers is that peacemakers build bridges, not barriers. Peacemakers build bridges. In Romans 12, it says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, there's a word that we could use in 2022, isn't it? If possible, as far as it depends on you, as far as you can do anything in your strength and your power and your ability, live peaceably with all people. Peacemakers never have permission to write off somebody in their life. That's a hard word, isn't it? That's why we have to unlearn some things, isn't it? Because in, in my world, I do have permission to write people off. In my world, I do have permission to build a barrier and say, well, you're over there and I'm over here, and that's how it's going to be. But not, not in the kingdom of God, not peacemakers. Peacemakers see this disruption and polarization as a divine opportunity to display what the kingdom of God is all about. And listen, I want to say this, and I want you to hear me. This is not about political correctness. It's not. Me caring deeply about people who look like me and people that don't has nothing to do with my politics. Me caring about people that are poor and marginalized has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the words of Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers. So there's people in my life that I, I see that I wouldn't have seen before. And there's people in my life that I care about I wouldn't have cared about before. There's people in my life that I would have written off in the past, but I can't do that anymore because I'm... I'm responding to the call of Jesus to be a peacemaker in a broken and polarized world. Blessed are, blessed are the peacemakers. They're the children of God. In this world, we have to unlearn the divide that brings our enemy joy. It brings our enemy joy when we divide, 
when we separate, when we draw the lines, when we build the barrier. We have to unlearn and instead learn to be peacemakers, perhaps more than ever in our lives. You know the ultimate peacemaker. I hope you do. I hope you do. The one who reached across the deepest divide to bring us peace. Jesus demonstrated what a peacemaker truly looked like. Take a look. Rabbi. Ah, you couldn't wait, could you? We're sorry, we just uh, wanted to clear a few things up, if that's okay. By all means. You Jewish boys are far from home. Yes, as a matter of fact, we are. Shalom to you too. Here's our traditional Jewish greeting for you. Don't lift a finger. That was a warning. Try it again and see what happens. Quiet, Big James. Shalom to you too. You filthy dogs! I said quiet. Let us do something. What would that achieve? Defending your honor. They reviled and humiliated you. They deserve to have bolts of lightning rain out and incinerate them. Yes, fire from the heavens. Fire? You said we could do things like that. Say the word and it will happen. Why not? We knew we couldn't trust these people. We shouldn't have come here in the first place. They don't deserve you. Why do you think I had you work, Melek's field? What was I trying to teach you? To help? You think it was just to be more helpful? Or to be better farmers? It was to show you that what we're doing here will last for generations. What I told Fotina at the well, and what she then told so many others, it's sowing seeds that will have a lasting impact for lifetimes. Can you not see what's happening here? These people that you hate so much are believing in me without even seeing miracles. It's the message, the truth that we're giving them. And you're going to get in the way of that because a few people from a region you don't like were mean to you. That they're not worthy? What, you're so much better? You're more worthy? Well, let me tell you something. You're not. That's the whole point. It's why I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rabbi. As we gather others, I need you to help show the way to be humble. We will. You wanted to use the power of God to bring down fire, to burn these people up? Well, it sounds a lot worse when you say it that way. like a storm on the sea. Come on. Thunder exploding out of your chests at every turn. <laughs> In fact, that's what I'm going to call you from now on. James and John, the sons of thunder. Rain down fire on those pagan Samaritans. 
not the peacemakers, not the way of Jesus. The call to be peacemakers is life-changing. It should be. It's life-changing. Today, I want to I leave you with this, a challenge. I believe this is a first step we can all do because maybe in the world in which we're living that seems pretty overwhelming, you're like, I don't even know where to start. I think this is a great place to start today. Today, I want to challenge you in every single one of your relationships, every single one, bring the peace of Christ with you. From the moment you get up, now you've got to be in relationship with the Prince of Peace, right? We can't, we can't manufacture that. But as you draw close to him, as you pray, Lord, I, I need your peace, and then commit to yourself that day, God, I want to bring that peace into every conversation, into every interaction. It's not going to be easy. I don't know how to do it, but Lord, I want to bring your peace into every single relationship. When we do that, when we do that, that will be the antidote that our deeply polarized world desperately needs. When I think of uh, peacemakers in our everyday world, I think of Mary Johnson. I heard her story uh, several years ago, and I've never gotten over it. It's a beautiful picture, an incredible picture of what being a peacemaker is all about. Take a look. Thank you, Lord. In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, a 59-year-old teacher's aide sings praise to God for no seemingly apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. For all you've done for me. He never had a chance. In February 1993, Mary's son, Loramian Bird, was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20, and Mary's only child. My son was gone. The killer was a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. I wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was. Tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years, O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood, close to Mary. This close. He lives next door. Next door. How a convicted murderer ended up living a door jam away from his victim's mother is a story not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea here at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow she could forgive her son's killer. What'd she say to you? I believe the first thing she said was, look, you don't know me, I don't know you, let's just start with right now. And I was befuddled myself. O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close, they are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive. Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. For O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy. I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning how to forgive myself. 
And I'm still growing towards, you know, trying to forgive myself and what it is I've done. To that end, O'Shea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day and goes to college by night. He says he's determined to pay back Mary's clemency by contributing to society. In fact, he's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons, churches, to large audiences everywhere. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Which explains why Mary can sing her praise of thanks to her audience of one. Steve Hartman, CBS News, Minneapolis. having a conversation this week with a man in our church. He's been a part of our church a long time. He was just sharing what was on his heart, and he said, um, you know, I just sense that God wants us to go deeper. He was talking about himself personally. He wasn't just all of these, but he was just saying, I, I just sense God wants to bring us deeper. I was thinking about being a peacemaker in a world that's so divided. And I think, you know what? That's really a call to go deeper, isn't it? It's a call not to just operate according to how you feel. It's a call not to just live your life according to how you can justify treating other people. It's a call to really go deeper, to reflect his kingdom. So I'm going to invite you right now to bow your heads with me, if you would. Haley's going to lead us in a song. It's a song about, God, I want to go deeper. <laughs> I want to go deeper. And today, maybe, maybe something in you resonates with that desire. God, I, I, want, to, I want to experience more of you. I want to experience your peace. I want to go deeper in living that peace out polarized world about me. I'm, I'm just going to invite you as she leads us in this song. If that's you today, you're invited to just stand. That's your response today is by standing, just saying, God, I, I want to go deeper. I believe there's something deeper for me. I believe there's, there's something more that you have for me. And I want to say yes to you. So God, today um, we, we, we're listening and we're responding to you, to your voice. So if, if you want us to go deeper today, some of us in this room today, we want to say yes to you. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.